Um, so how many of you sin? Yes? How many of you realize that when you sin, it usually starts with a temptation of some kind? Yeah? You don't, you should, there's not just like jumping into a random sin all of a sudden. It's, it's to be our substitute. So I've been a Christian most of my life. I actually don't really remember a time not believing in God. All temptation and has proven himself to be worthy and Christian. I never read my Bible. I only knew about God what was told to me on a Sunday morning. Just a, just a bad version of a Christian. And until I started reading my Bible, until I had that light switch turn on in my head, until I had my soul, my heart changed by the power of the word, um, I, I didn't realize that I was doing it wrong for all those years. And so I say this because the point of this passage, how it starts off is there's always going to be temptation and a test and an attack right when you have a spiritual victory. I'll open your Bibles to Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whoa, what does that mean? If you weren't here last week, or even if you were here last week, this verse is going to like catch you off guard. Like, wait, what's going on? So, let's go back to Matthew 3 and be leading up to this next part. So, Matthew 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and beheld the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that. And then what happens next? Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, let's read this whole section, then I'll break it down. Verse 2. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. But he, but he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and their hands will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This passage has always been super, just kind of weird to me. I've never really sat and really thought about it. I never dwelt on, dwelt upon it, meditated on it. I don't even know if I've heard a good sermon on it because I still don't feel like I ever really got a grasp of it until I started studying for this. And then much was revealed to me, so I pray that I can make it clear and, and you can see the beautifulness of this story. So. Verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So immediately he was taken up to the wilderness. I mean, it almost seems like he was rushed there. Christ is finally ready to start his ministry to get it fully on, but, but why does it have to start off like this? See, his ministry started when he was baptized, right? We're all called to be baptized. It's not a means of salvation. It's just an external example of us being dead to our sin and raised up alive with God. So after... 
waiting 30 years, God, Jesus was patiently waiting 30 years for the Father's perfect timing to start his ministry. Now is the time to start. And immediately his first thing is to be rushed out into the wilderness. Why? This was the final testing for Christ to prove his worthiness to be our substitute. Jesus was already perfect. He was already worthy to follow through with the Father's will. But God is a God of details. And God is teaching us about his own character. He's showing us that his son is going to be our perfect substitute. And he's giving us guidelines. How do we overcome temptation? And for a long time, at first, because I didn't really think about this passage, didn't really understand it, it almost seemed, I almost felt bad for Jesus. Like, oh, poor Jesus. He's got to endure this terrible time in the wilderness. Like, that sounds terrible. And actually, the, the area of wilderness that he went to, I mean, it shouldn't be called wilderness. It should be called, like, barren ground. It's rocks, and it's desolate, and it's, like, these sharp, jaggedy, like, rock. there's nowhere, nowhere to rest. And for 40 days... He was fasting. And for a long time, and before I understood this passage, I always read this as like, poor Jesus. Like, what a terrible thing. He's got to go up to the wilderness and fast. And gosh, what a, that's tough. Jesus really endured a lot for us, which he did. But after much studying, Jesus went to the wilderness, I believe, on offense. Okay, he went there knowing he was going to be victorious. Jesus knew exactly who he was and who, who he was going to face. He, he was going to be tested with full confidence. Honestly, I don't think Satan had wanted anything to do with this. Because Satan knows too. He knows perfectly well who Jesus was and what he could do. The devil knew he wasn't going to win. And Jesus knew he would win. Jesus walked into that wilderness to prove to all of creation that he was perfect. If fight, the fight between Jesus and Satan is like a fight between a boot and an ant. No contest. Verse 2. And after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Duh, right? So why 40? You think this is a coincidence that God is mirroring some of the Old Testament saints, such as Moses and, and even all the Israelites. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, so this number 40 has significance. But just like the Israelites, so the, they were wandering for 40 years. They were tested. They were hungry. They were led by the Holy Spirit. But everywhere that the Israelites failed, Christ is going to prevail. Prevail. So with fasting, so why the fasting though? Fasting helps you be prepared to fight the battle. Fasting gets your mind right, gets your heart right, gets your soul right. Has anyone ever fasted in here? You really start to experience kind of the power and presence of God more because you're submitting to a thing that he's told us to do. But also you're, you're physically becoming weaker. I've only done 24 hours. It's the most I've done and I've, I've experienced a lot just than that. And... So it's as you physically become weaker, you spiritually become stronger. And it's a really weird dynamic. So 40 days, and actually scientists say that 40 days is the maximum amount you could fast without having some long-term damage done. And so that's probably another reason why it's usually cut off. But at this point, Jesus is hungry. He's probably, he's weak. He's probably lost 25 pounds, right? But he's also the strongest he could be. He's spiritually strong. He's been connecting with the Father for four days, and that's all he's had time to do. That's all he's been doing is praying to, to the Father, having that communion with the Father. So the word, I'm going to back up a little bit. The word tempt, we're talking about Jesus' temptation here. That's the, the title of the whole thing is the temptation of Jesus. So the word tempt in the original Hebrew actually means both tempt and tested, which is awesome. We'll come to that later. God doesn't tempt us. God can't tempt us. God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. Okay, so what Satan means for evil as tempting us, God means for good. God means to test us. 
we'll get more to that later. So, number uh, verse three. And the tempter came and said to him, "If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be to become loaves of bread." What does Satan just do with it? What just happened in verse three or chapter three that we read? God the Father said, "This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased." If you are the Son of God. Doubt, right? This is what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, did God really say that? He's, he's planning that doubt, and Satan works in that. That's, that's where Satan lives in the realm of he deceives. He, he can use, uh, he'll use scripture wrongly to make you think differently than what God has already told you. This is why it's so important for us to be in the word and know what the word says. So, and not only that, so command these loaves, command these stones to be loaves of bread. Satan is tempting Jesus where his giftings are. Jesus has the power to turn whatever he wants into whatever he wants. Jesus is hungry. He's physically weak. But how did Jesus reply? Verse 4, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what did Jesus, Jesus just do? It is written. He is quoting now from the scriptures. Jesus is sufficient within himself. He could have very much just stomped on the devil with his own words, but he is showing his own submission, his own uh, rising up of the authority of Scripture himself by saying, it is written. This is talking about Old Testament. You shall not live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love this. First, he's quoting Old, Old Testament, but what does it mean? Is it bad to eat? Is it a sin to be hungry? Not at all. So what does this mean? Jesus is using scripture to defend his father and ultimately himself because he is God. Man shall not live by bread alone. God made food to be a blessing for us. We know this. We know the wonderful flavors we tasted and what a great gift. God could have made just like this black box that we ate once a day, never had any taste buds, but it was full of nutrition and everything our body needed. That could have been a way. We were just how this world worked. But he didn't. Yeah. He gave us food. He gave us flavors. There's so many flavors in this world, nobody will ever taste all the wonderful things that are in this world. Okay, God is a good God. But what Jesus is saying here is, I trust my Father in heaven, and if he, if he wants me to die, no amount of food can keep me alive. And if he wants me to live, no amount of fasting will kill me. He's proclaiming the power of God in that statement. So verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of this of temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, there it is again, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Wait, what just happened? Satan's quoting scripture. Yes, but he's quoting it wrong. He's misquoting scripture here. Now Satan is tempting Jesus by the very power that Jesus just uttered in the last verse. Jesus has just said, my God is all powerful and full of authority and is sovereign over everything, meaning control of everything. So Satan's like, okay, then throw yourself off this cliff, prove that power. Jesus replies, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What does that mean? Would God have caught him? Of course, or else the ministry of life of Jesus would have been done. And God is all-powerful. So, so putting God to the test, let's think of it this way. And, and, and this is something that people actually do. And we've even done I've done this. You pray, okay, God, uh, I'll wait till Thursday. And then 
you know, if you don't answer this prayer, then I know it's not your will. Uh, if the phone rings in the next two hours, I'll, I'll know that it's a sign. Um, I'm going to go sit in the desert and pray that you're going to provide shelter and food for me. I'm going to sit here with all the faith in the world and wait for you to do a work because I trust you. That's not trusting. That's not faith. That's ignorance and pride and testing God, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. No, this is not how it works with God. We don't put God to the test. He's given us a platform. He's given us, given, given, us, given us a life to glorify him, and that's not how we do it. So also you will be tempted where your gifts are. We never have to be concerned about being tested or tempted to turn rocks into bread. We're never going to be tested to throw ourselves, throw ourselves off a building and say, okay, God, catch me, which people have done. People have actually gone to this city at, on this temple and thrown themselves off, fully trusting that God's going to protect them, and splat, they weren't protected. They were dead because that was a stupid thing to do. Um, if you were a very charming person, people just naturally like you, you're going to be tempted to use that charm to take advantage of people, to get what you want from people. If you're a very smart, intelligent person, smarter than most people around you, you're going to be tempted to be prideful and boastful in yourself. If you're an artist, you're going to be tempted to use your art to glorify yourself. So you're always going to be tempted and tested with the very gifts God has given you. Because again, God gives you gifts to glorify him. Okay? And again, God's turning God's good, or Satan's turning God's good into something bad. So we always have to be fighting that good fight. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Finally, we get to the heart of Satan. This is what he's wanted since he was Lucifer, angel in heaven, most beautiful angel there was. He wanted to be just as good, if not better than God. And so now he gets his chances to tempt Jesus. Bow down and worship me and I will give you the kingdoms of the world. But then Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Jesus is answering with the same way we should answer temptation and idolatry. What is idolatry? We always we hear that word a lot. We hear about idols. Nobody in the American-speaking language makes anything and bows down to it anymore. That's not how we worship. Uh, we don't even worship God that way, even though he's worthy of getting actually getting on our knees and bowing down. But anything that we put before God is an idol. We, can, we, we, we basically are trying to just turn anything. Give me something to commit all my time, all my energy, and all my love to, but that should be God's alone. So we need to keep, an, uh, keep a focus on what are we doing in our lives? What are we focusing on that's not God as priority over all things? Verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him, ministering to Jesus. So God brings triumph to those who remain faithful in testing when we triumph over temptation, God sends an extra blessing. We are drawn more close to him with every victory. When we go through trials and sufferings and persecution, temptation, and all of other seemingly bad things, God is right there to use it for our good, to test and grow our character and our faith. When God calls you to something, you know there will be testing. God calls, God's calls are big, and we cannot do it out of our own strength. Who knows the verse, but I don't remember what verse it is, but... God will not give me more than I can handle. Heard that before? Most of the time that's used as, I must be something special in God's eyes because I'm really living, uh, I'm really going through a lot in life right now. But God will not give me more than I handle because I'm going to be strong through this. That's totally like, kind of like the devil does, is taking verses not only out of context, but using them in the wrong way. That verse is strictly about temptation. God will not 
you will not be in a situation where you're tempted so that you won't be able to have a way out. That's all that verse actually means. So God's going to always give, put you out of your comfort zone. God's going to always push you beyond your means. God's going to always call you to more than you think you can do because you can't do it. When you are weak and you are strong, God's going to supply you with that power, with the grace, with the energy, with the wisdom. And so as you grow and mature in your faith, which I pray that you are, you're going to constantly be growing and constantly being tested and constantly growing in wisdom and knowledge. Okay, Jesus could have thrown out all the best theology and strong words that, he, that anyone could ever have to Satan, but he goes right to Scripture. We need to have our faces in the Word of God, too, so we know how to defeat temptation. He's growing our faith. He's growing our character, which only, what, what's the point of all this? It's not that we can walk around and be like, I got good faith and character. This is for us to be able to reach the lost world around us. It's giving us strength. It's giving us knowledge and wisdom to get more people to Christ, to make more disciples. God's calls are big and always out of the realm of our strength. So remain faithful to God. Uh, Jesus was tested and proved him, himself to be a rightful sacrifice. Um, we have every right to draw near to God because of what Jesus has done, which we were not able to do before. We have no salvation to earn either. Always keep in mind that when we sing about it, when we learn about it, about good works, or even in the Bible, a multitude of times it talks about good works, good works. God set up good works. It doesn't mean we're earning our salvation. We are responding to the beautiful grace that God has given to us. We have a work to be done. It's not just sitting back in our full assurance of faith. Like, yeah. Just like with, I mean, the cruise ship or the battleship, that's exactly it. But the salvation part is done. Now we are called to a new life, to walk in a way that is proof that we are a child of God's. I like to say that the Christian, the Christian person is innocent until proven guilty. Why is temptation so bad? Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. Because we're not Jesus. We are weak human flesh alone, no God. I mean, other than God being in us, but we are not actually God. Uh, so how much more should we be relying on the, the word, praying the word, singing the word, okay, living the word? But remember, this is not out of our own efforts. We draw near to God, and God draws near to us. That's all I got for you guys today.